When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought this child in, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law— Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they'd finished everything, required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Maybe you have seen a poem by Howard Thurman that seems in the last few years anyway, to make its rounds on social media appropriately in the days in and around and after the big day of Christmas. Howard Thurman was a black American theologian, philosopher, author, civil rights leader born at the end of the 19th century. And he wrote this poem called The Work of Christmas. It goes like this. When the song of the angels is stilled, When the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. That's a lot of work, don't you think? It is a reality check, for sure. 
Frankly, it's kind of a holiday buzzkill. It is like a bah humbug moment for anyone still basking in the glow of Christmas with fun plans for their New Year's Eve celebration later this evening. It makes me think of those people who already have their Christmas decorations packed up and put away. You know who you are. (laughs) But it makes me think of Simeon and Anna in this morning's gospel for the first Sunday of Christmas to these sages of the synagogue who are hip to what Jesus was really all about. This morning, the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, are doing their thing as faithful Jews in their day and age. It's been eight days since the birth, so they've made their way to Jerusalem for the required rituals of purification and for the baby's dedication in the temple. They've brought their simple customary sacrifice of birds, two turtle doves or a couple of pigeons, nothing of much value to most people unless you are peasants in the first century Palestine. And while they're likely still tired from all their recent travels, still in shock and surprised and trying to make sense of all that had already happened in their lives in the last week or so, the angels, the manger, the shepherds, and all the rest. And while they're still living into what it means to be brand new parents and hopefully finding some measure of joy in all of that chaos, along comes this strange old man in the temple, claiming to have been guided there by the Holy Spirit, grabbing the baby, and saying all kinds of crazy things about Jesus and to his parents. Nothing altogether new, really, that they hadn't already heard from some angels or wondered about during their time in Bethlehem, but still surprising nonetheless. Simeon wandered in off the street, looked at Jesus, this baby he'd never met before, and claimed to be seeing in him the salvation of God, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, glory for the people of Israel. And while all that is a tall order in and of itself, then comes the real kicker, the Howard Thurman buzzkill bah humbug reality check kind of moment. Simeon takes his eyes off of Jesus, turns his attention to the young parents, And says to Mary that her child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And that this sweet little baby Jesus is going to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And, by the way, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, and bah humbug. But seriously, this shouldn't be news to us and may not have been all that surprising to Mary, really. 
She may never have been able to guess the details or predict the future of how it was all going to pan out, but Simeon was just another in a line of prophets and angels, remember, to let Mary know Jesus was destined for something big, that he was going to save his people from their sins and whatnot. So we have to wonder, like Mary must have wondered, what Simeon's words announced and what Howard Thurman's words mean to inspire. What is the point? What happens now? What do we do next about this good news of great joy for all people? What is the work of Christmas that Jesus' birth and life meant and mean to instigate? Are we doing the work of Christmas if there is still no peace in Israel and Palestine? Are we doing the work of Christmas if God's creation still groans under the weight of our pollution and misuse? Are we doing the work of Christmas if 44 million people in our own country are still food insecure? Are we doing the work of Christmas if people of color who looked a lot more like Jesus than they do like me are still imprisoned more often and for longer than white people for the same crimes? Are we doing the work of Christmas if we still spend and invest more on war than on health care? Are we doing the work of Christmas if it's all and only about the trappings and the traditions we've created to make it all rhyme like a poem or sound like a song or sparkle like the lights on a tree or shine like the candles that we held and sung so peacefully and sweetly about silent nights last week. None of that sounds very much like the piercing sword Simeon was yapping about just eight days later in Jerusalem, does it? But speaking of candles, I didn't come here just to rain on your New Year's Eve parade. Howard Thurman wrote another poem that's full of as much hope as the work of Christmas is full of holy challenges. His other poem goes like this. I will light candles this Christmas. Candles of joy despite all the sadness, Candles of hope where despair keeps watch. Candles of courage for fears ever present. Candles of peace for tempest-tossed days. Candles of grace to ease heavy burdens. Candles of love to inspire all my living. Candles that will burn all year long. My prayer for these remaining days of Christmas, for this New Year's Eve and for every day of the year ahead, is that we will be honest, deliberate, and faithful about what the work of Christmas looks like. That it's not always clean and neat and tidy or fun. 
but that it's hard and holy work a lot of the time. And that it's our work to do. That it requires something of us as recipients and in grateful response for the gift of grace that has come in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that if we can't, or when we won't, or if we refuse, or when we don't, we'll at least light a candle, maybe, to remind ourselves and to let others see that the work of Christmas cannot be packed up or put away, that it may never be complete on our watch, but that the light of God's love in Jesus always shines in the darkness of the world, and that darkness will never overcome it. Amen.